Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Going great. Anything exciting and special happening this week? Uh, no, just the same old stuff. Same old stuff. You'll have to give me a chance to think ahead when you ask me these questions. I ask you this question every week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the end of March already. And uh, just looking through the memos that I've been getting and stuff. May 5th weekend. This is like, what, 30, 40 days away? 35 days? 36 yeah, days away? What's that? Just like that? Or May the 4th. Is they're already talking about their, uh, the first, because Algonquin Park, there's a group of people that have been doing a spring gathering every mm-hmm. year for the last number of years. And May 5th, they're talking that weekend already. That's, yeah, that's just, just over a month away. Yeah, and... I guess ice out should be about a couple weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, two, three weeks away. So yeah, spring has sprung, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we've been talking about this since December, spring's on its way and now it looks like it's pretty much here. Spring is coming. Uh, yeah. We, so yeah, May 5th, we're looking to get in away for our first canoe trip of the season. Yeah. Which would be cool. We're looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Other than that, just keeping up with the. The times and going, 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 going. We got the um, Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium. Is it next weekend, I guess? Yeah, that's coming up quick. That's coming up quick as well. That's going to be that's gonna be fun. Some interesting speakers there to see. We've been to a bunch of shows already this year for stuff, and it's picking up. It's only getting better from here, right? Absolutely. Um, so we're doing some research on stuff, and one of the things that kept coming up, did you hear about Chris... Chris Burtish. He's the transatlantic stand-up paddleboarder. I have. I saw I saw an email from uh, Gear Junkie on that, and uh, I didn't really get much into it until you, uh, <coughs> you started researching it. Yeah, I see you still got your cold. I do, I do. <laughs> I'm trying not to cough. Try, trying to get over that thing, buddy. It's almost paddling season. Well, it's in my lungs. My wife keeps bugging me. She said I should go to see the doctor, but... You know, I figure I should be sick for at least a month or two before you go see a doctor, right? Wow. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what are, what's a doctor? I've heard of them. I thought they were myths. Uh, anyway, Chris Burdish became the first person to paddle across uh, the Atlantic uh, on a stand-up paddleboard. Now, when we're saying pat, stand-up paddleboard, however, if you've seen he's, his machine there. <laughs> yes, he's got a highly modified uh, stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, it cost him what, what, about $120,000 for and this thing. And that's incredible, but he's got all kinds of electronics. He's got solar panels. He's got a sleeping quarters cabin air t- that's watertight, and it's self-riding if it, if he's in really rough weather. It's it's quite the rig. Yeah, 20 feet long, uh, 1,350 pounds fully loaded. Yeah, watertight sleeping compartment. That's 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 a pretty cool thing. I think for that kind of money, he would have got an engine in it or something. <laughs> you figure, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he made a, a transatlantic trip from uh, Agadir, Morocco, to English Harbor, Antigua, and uh, he's the first person to do it. So he got the world record for first solo, unsupported, and unassisted transatlantic stand-up paddleboard crossing. He's the first person to paddle across 300 miles of open sea, unsupported and unassisted. And he's also got the 24-hour solo, unsupported, unassisted, open ocean distance of 71.96 uh, miles in 24 hours. That's the So he's got three world records. Now, that last world record, that wasn't on this craft. I think that was just on a paddleboard. No, that was, this, that was this that one. That was this, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was this. He tried it uh, a few times. Uh, but the previous record was 46 miles. Hmm. So now, yeah, he said everything just lined up right and he, w- he was able to get that record in, which is cool. So yeah, three world records on this trip, including the long one. Uh, 4,050 nautical miles over 93 days, which is 7,500 uh, kilometers, I guess. That's a long way. That is a long way. And standing up paddling... Um, yeah, you, you really have to see his, we'll post some pictures on our, on our Facebook page, uh, of his craft. It's mm-hmm. definitely not your standard, t- uh, paddleboard. There's a, a, a lot more to it. It's thicker, it's wider. It's got, uh, like I say, the front end, the back end's all built up. Um, I, I don't even, almost looks like a skidoo. Yeah. A long exactly, drawn out yeah. skidoo. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty cool. Um, if he really wanted to tell himself, like he, he did South Africa, Morocco over to Antigua, 
But if he really wanted to challenge himself, he should have done the North Sea or the North Atlantic. Yeah, froze himself to death. Yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> that, he's, he's not even challenging himself in that warm weather. Maybe it's his next, uh, next attempt. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so he says more than 2 million paddle strokes to do it. I, I'm thinking he must have had some sort of clicker or something on there. But uh, that's, that's definitely something to do. Like, I mean, you go out for a day and you do your paddle boarding, right? And, but to go for 93 days, they originally, I guess, thought it was going to be 120 days. He was prepared for, for food yeah. for 120. Yeah, so 120 days, but it only took him 93, yeah. which is, you know, I'm sure it makes him happy not to have to do that extra month of paddling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's quite the, uh, it's quite the slog. Like, uh, uh, the, the challenge of doing something like this solo, especially like you're on your own, I guess he did have communications. He had electronics, he had uh, batteries charging with solar panels. So he was, I guess in communication, but I guess that's a safety thing, right? Oh yeah. There's, he's, he's got his, uh, safety stuff as needed just in case emergency supply, supplies. Uh, what else did he have? Two water desalinators. Yeah, a manual and, an, and a uh, powered mm-hmm. one. And he had, uh, I think it was 50 liters of emergency water, which was also used as ballast, ballast yeah. for when his, as his food uh, went down. Yeah. He would use that as ballast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, it, it took a lot to plan. I think it was like four years to, to fully get it into um, underway. How do people like this get these things in their heads? It just, it just amazes me that these epic trips that people are doing, like, you know, stand up paddleboard across the ocean. It's like, it, uh, it doesn't seem like a reasonable thing that a reasonable person would do. I think uh, things like this come together after a, or during a good night of drinking. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I could do if I had the money? Yeah. And then from there, it's the next day. It's like. Hmm, that sounds like a good idea. We ought to look into that. And then it just takes off from there. That's, that's the way it's the old, here, hold my beer and watch this. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, but he did the entire trip. It was a fundraiser for children. So the money raised about 410,000 US, uh, which is what, 600 and something thousand Canadian and 6.5 million rand. Yeah. Uh, South American. He was... Or South African, I should say. I think he was... Yeah, so so he's building schools, he's feeding children, and there's... Yeah, a medical care, fund. support schools, and nutrition for oh, kids in need. operations too. For every world record he broke, he said he was going to donate a an operation to a child in need in yeah. South Africa. So that's three he's got to pay for. Mm-hmm. So... That's, uh, that's cool. He's, he, when all said and done, he's hoping to raise uh, 1.5 million US um, by the time everything comes in, all the, all the uh, funding and all the donations and that sort of thing. So, I mean, that's quite a chunk of change for, for children in South Africa. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll turn into what exactly what he hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. So when he, like I said, the, he says the, the final three days, the final 72 hours was really hard because he had to uh, angle his craft through weather and whatnot to make oh. that landing, right? Yeah. He says, it's, I mean, he had some hard spots along the way, but uh, he uh, really had some issues that last 72 hours trying to get everything done. When he did land though, uh, I guess after everybody had, you know, come out to celebrate and all that, he wrote a big uh, entry in his, his log that he was keeping. His captain's log. His captain's log. Um, but yeah, he did, he did a big long one and a couple parts of it here. He says, I've been paddling alone solo in the open ocean for 93 days. I've covered over 4,050 nautical miles or 7,500 kilometers. I've taken more than two, two 2,008,800 strokes and raised over 6.5 million Rand for charity. Which is $683,000 Canadian or $410,000 US. US. It's an incredible day. It's the culmination of everything I've been working on and towards for half a decade. And it's the day that will change history, the world, and both my life and the lives of millions of little children in South Africa forever. It's such a milestone event that people have flown in from all over the world to witness it and to be a part of it. Friends, family, press, media, 
and many people who have simply been inspired by this incredible story. It is a day that will redefine what's possible. Now he had his, his thing, uh, I'm possible. Yeah. Uh, foundation Which also spells out impossible. Yeah. So he does the impossible and he calls himself I'm possible. I'm possible. Uh, he goes on to say, it takes every last bit of strength, faith, courage, and determination that has kept me going, got me through every tough moment, every life-threatening situation, every dark hour, every right moment, through my darkest fears. It's my primal element of courage, belief, and strength for my purpose that has got me through this exact moment. Across more than 7,500 kilometers, hazardous and treacherous open ocean, across the entire Atlantic Ocean, and I am finally here. I am here, and I don't need to be strong and keep it together any longer. It's been 93 days, and it's done, and I let it all go. I am home. Good for him. You know what? It sounds like, yeah, it, it sounds like he was, you know, I mean, you're you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. You go on a, I mean, we do, a, we do solo canoe trips and that for a couple of weeks or something like that. Yeah. But for 93 days in the middle of no, open ocean. And I imagine know? that would be the hardest part, the isolation. The, I think that would probably be uh, quite the uh, the hardest part is that, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to stop paddling, you can stop paddling, mm-hmm. but you can't stop being by yourself, Yeah, you know? And just to, to round that corner, if we're, we're reading the articles about him, just rounding that corner and he sees the harbor and, and the boats coming out to meet him and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like a, a feeling of he's, of accomplishment yeah. and he's done. And it's, it's, it's the end of a trip. And I mean, if you've been, ever been on a, a really long canoe trip, the day that you are coming out is, you know, you do your last tear down of camp and you know, it's your final day and yeah, okay. You know what? It, it's whatever you're, you're doing your paddling through the day, but the minute you pull around that last bend and you can see your vehicle parked on shore or that final dock, that final, uh, uh, the, the takeout, you just like, oh man. It's, it's, it's a feeling you can't really describe. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a happiness thing that you've done it, but a sad thing because it's over. Yeah. And I, I just got to think and... after 93 days, <laughs> that, that feeling must just be overwhelming, like overwhelming yeah. at that point. Right. Just, uh, how, how he must feel at that point. Quite the accomplishment. That's for sure. And, uh, I'd <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what he's going to do next. That, you know, like, what do you do after, after that? Do you find another <laughs> spot and go... <laughs> Far along, do you now move on to the Pacific Ocean? Yeah. You know, I mean, we've been following stuff for the last while. It's, it's, you know, we know people that are doing these massive canoe trips, you know, from the Gulf of Mexico up to um, the Yukon sort of thing or Alaska. Or we got people in kayaks doing around the Great Lakes and, I mean, around North America now, uh, Freya yeah. Hoffmeister. You know, and then you got guys like uh, Chris that are, are doing across the ocean on a stand-up paddleboard. Like these are massive things and the accomplishments they're doing, it's just showing you that there's not much left to, uh, you know, if if you put your mind to it, that that you can do. Imagine how fit he would be after that trip. How much weight he would have lost. I was actually looking for details like that on his website, but he doesn't, he didn't talk about those kind of things. And I was curious though, because with, with that continued workload, and, uh, the isolationism and, and you, I imagine you'd be pretty crispy from the sun. He probably went through a lot of, uh, uh, suntan lotion or whatever. Well, that's the first question I had is how much sunscreen did he have to yeah. take? And, but just the fitness of him, of that 2 million paddle strokes, like, holy cow. Yeah. Arms like, <laughs> he's lean. Yeah. He'd he's, be, he'd be very yeah. lean. Yeah. That's, uh. Wow, that's something. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that I'd want to do over. I mean, ninety-three days paddling somewhere would be one thing, but across an ocean. Yeah, not the, my cup of tea. Of that's risks. for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, I don't. I haven't seen all the photos. I you know, it makes you wonder. Did you see whales or anything like that while you're out there? Did mm-hmm. anything cross your path that you you wouldn't think? I mean, you don't know if you saw ships. Well, that yeah, stuff, you'd have right? to be worried about traveling through any, uh, any shipping channels or anything like that. Like, you know, if you're sleeping at night, you, you're worried about a tanker coming along and running you down or something, right? Yeah. You don't, you just don't know. I mean, but you know what? I got to think they took all that into, uh, account when they were planning the trip, mm-hmm. right? It'd be, uh, definitely something to 
to add into your planning exactly your route anything that could go wrong your the winds the trade winds and all that sort of stuff the currents at yeah. that time of year like and like he would I saw a few examples of him writing where he was windbound and windbound for him would mean he had to put out like a, a drogue shooter or a uh, a sea anchor it's just basically a, a parachute that goes underwater and it helps him avoids him from drifting with the wind and he stays with the uh with the water right yeah and so he mentioned at one point where he thought a very large sea animal got caught in his uh his parachute and he said it felt like it was trying to drag his uh stand-up paddleboard uh, underwater so that would be kind of scary eh? if a whale gets caught up in your lines and accidentally pulls you under yeah, that would be a tad <laughs> on the worrisome side, I would yeah. think. And that's my whole point is like, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, that's great. But nah, because I'd be the guy that got uh, caught up a with whale. a whale. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be that guy. So, well, more power to him. Congrats to him. It's, uh, like I say, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive uh, feat. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the fact that he's doing it for the, for the little kids, right? In South Africa, that's an extra bonus, that's for sure. And he's doing talks, he's still fundraising, he's still, like the trip is over now, but he's uh, he's still doing the fundraising for his charities, and uh, so he's doing a talk circuit regarding this, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a, a continuing project for him, so it's really interesting, and I wish him continued luck. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a good thing for his charity. I mean, you're going around the world talking about this now. You're showing pictures, videos, the whole thing. Yeah. Because he had GoPros and everything on there, right? And uh, so, yeah, he's going to put together a really cool yeah. presentation, I'm sure, that he could uh, I throw I found out a few there. of his videos on Vimeo, but nothing from this trip so far. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably, like I say, this is just, just finished on yeah. the uh, March 9th. Uh, he just finished that. So it's... it's uh, you know, been 20 days since he finished, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, it started December 6th, 2016 and ended March 9th, 2017. That's uh, quite the distance, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Quite the time. I'm sure he had a blast while doing it. He says in his writings there he had uh, good times and bad times, but that's with everything, right? I mean, you oh, want something like this. It uh, really, uh, really hurts you some days and helps you the next day. So, well, that's pretty cool and uh, looking forward to hearing more from him. So let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk about something really cool. (laughs) You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Up here, both Step is making What was I thinking coming back over believing this would be a walk in the park with a pack or a boat or whatever you tote. It doesn't matter just what it weighs, cause it never failed at a rocky old trail is still uphill both ways. It was easy every 
one would do And that's okay by me But why is it hiking, packing, yakking, or canoeing Seems to defy the law of gravity With a pack or a boat or whatever you tote It doesn't matter just what it weighs it never failed that rocky old trail is still uphill both ways whatever goes up must come down well tell me who said that i'd like to put their boots on this ground so they can follow me and kiss my Doesn't matter just what it weighs Cause it never fails That rocky old trail is still uphill Yes, it's a bitter pill But it's still uphill Welcome back. That was Jerry Vandiver, song uh, Uphill Both Ways, talking about spring coming up and trips coming up. Uh, we know we're going to be doing a lot of a lot of portage trips, and some days it definitely feels like you're going uphill both ways with everything you've got to carry and some of the portage that we have to do. Yeah, I've, I've had that feeling before. So when we're researching stuff for uh, this week's show, I came across a couple things. And you know Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? I do. And drifting along the river in the, the big timber raft, <clears> a little <throat> tent on it. And I've always had a dream of doing something like that. That'd be cool, wouldn't Me it? Me and my cousin had considered building a raft, like a, a log raft, back about that time. But uh, the rivers that we had to uh, <laughs> float them on were mostly rocky. It's like the Canopy-Cases River in New Brunswick, and you couldn't really float a raft down that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look in Ontario and stuff like that, and there's a lot of uh, white water stuff and that. You wouldn't get a raft down. Uh, I came across this place. They offer trips in Sweden, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, <coughs> you, you think about sitting on the log raft, just floating lazily down a slow-moving river. The birds are flying by, nice bright blue sky above. Sounds like a, a lot of fun. Well, there's this place... And what you do, you show up to this place. It's on the Claralvin River in Sweden. Uh, Claralvin meaning clear river. And you show up on a day. They get you to build your own raft. Yeah, it's which, <laughs> it's an interesting concept, eh? It, it really is. Um, <clears throat> you build your own raft and then you go floating for five to eight days, which is pretty cool. So, I mean, you look on their, their site and giving all the information about the trip. I'm going it's, through the photos now. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So building and piloting a timber raft is a marvelous exercise in teamwork and a unique adventure. Camping wild each night along the riverbank on your voyage downstream is surely the stuff of childhood dreams. Like you say, it's something you always thought about doing, right? And they're talking about, you know, not just a bunch of guys going out and doing this, but they're talking... Uh, groups and they're talking family trips and all that yeah. stuff. This is like perfect for everybody. And um, it really looks like something really interesting to do. So you get this big timber raft and there's a little uh, a shelter on board, almost like, you know, like a, yeah. a tarp that's, that's <coughs> draped a over a couple, couple like of a... Uh, uh, boards. Um, you don't actually sleep on the the raft at nights, which I'm sure you probably could. I imagine you could, yeah. But they have designated uh, camping areas that are yeah. certain float distances of each day. So from uh, you, you show up and they have a guy that will show you how to build your raft. So if, if it's your family or, you know, a group of four buddies or whatever getting together, he teaches you all, all the, everything's provided, the logs, the rope, and that's that's all that's used is logs and rope. Mm -hmm. That's it. No hammers, no nails, no no power tools, nothing. But he shows you, here's the logs, 
here's how you construct it, and you and your buddies or whoever have to build this raft. And of course, he's going to make sure it's safe, right? So he's going to tell you when you're doing something wrong, stop you so you don't get halfway down the river and your thing falls apart, hopefully. <laughs> which I wonder if they've ever had like people on these rafting trips with the rafts fall apart. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I guess that would be a detriment. Uh, <laughs> it would be eh? to your to your trip. And looking at the pictures, it looks like all the gear is supplied by them too. They have these tackle boxes or these equipment boxes. They're almost like wanigans. Yes. Big wanigans, yeah. uh, crates that are sitting on there. There's three or four of them or whatever. Uh, holds all your gear and you store everything, you know, if it's raining, you can store everything underneath the, the tarp that you put up on it. Uh, there's a five-day tour, which is about 50 kilometers. And then, so one day of instruction on what you're doing and stuff like that. A building day when you construct your, your raft. And then three, three nights on the river. Or there's an eight-day one with six nights on the river. So the eight-day eight tour can be done either 100 kilometers or 50 kilometers. I think I'd go the 100-kilometer route. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're out there more and you're having some fun and all that sort of stuff, right? I think I, think I would uh, definitely go the 100-kilometer route just to be out there much longer. Yeah, and it's it's it looks like it'd be fun, relaxing. It's I, I would love to do this. The timber rafts are, they're just straightforward to build and you have to dismantle them after the trip as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that's partly why it's just ropes and logs. Uh, three meter long logs. Um, it does take several hours to construct the raft and it can accommodate up to six people. When it's done, it's about 18 feet by nine feet. That's huge. That is. That's pretty big. So, I mean... I look at myself, I'm six feet, so I had three feet onto me. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's plenty of space. And basically, it's just a relaxing, you get everything all built, you throw it out in the, the river, and you just drift downstream. It's relaxing. Yeah. Um, you, you, they, they say the rhythm of your days and pace of your tour is dictated wholly by the river. You have to learn to go with the flow. Because there's, there's no motor on it. There's, there's no sails on it. Uh, you just drift. So you can sit there, read a book. You can do some fishing. You can just sit and chit chat with people. You know, I mean, if, if you want to reconnect or whatever, this is a perfect thing to do. I think my kids would love this. You know, oh yeah. You know, it's, it sounds like a perfect family, family trip. Yeah. Uh, there are periods, however, of intense activity and exercise. That would be the building of the raft. <laughs> there's that part. And then there's freeing the raft from sandbars, oh. maneuvering to negotiate upcoming terms on the, uh, turns on the river. Like it doesn't automatically go around the bend. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Overhanging branches uh, or working together to break clear of an eddy in, or backwater. Um, timber rafting can be physically challenging. You'll need to keep a keen eye out for obstacles. Learning to handle your log raft with pole and paddles as you steer her towards final destination. So, I mean, I think it sounds like it's like 80% just relax. Yeah. And then 20% just doing, you know, steering it and setting it out in the mornings and bringing it into the shore in the evenings. It's, it, it looks like it would be an awesome little trip and you're going to get a lot of time out of this. Like this is, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd have to fly over there, it would be. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's a downfall to this is, yeah. is the, the flight over to Sweden. I mean, that's a bit, a bit pricey. Um, we, yeah, I looked at prices earlier and depending on where you fly into, it's anywhere from, you know, $900 a person up to $2,500 a person. And, uh, well, I'd be taking, uh, two children and a wife. So there's times four. That's pricey. Maybe I can make the kids pay their own way. I don't know. Yeah. Put them to work. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is really cool. Cause like I say, we've all thought about doing the, the river raft, you know, little tent on it. You sleep on it. You never need to, to come ashore really. Yeah. But on these ones you do, you, I mean, like I say, you, you can, if you wanted to, realistically, you could sleep on board. Uh, I don't know. You're getting six people into that little tent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, so they each each raft comes with a sit on top paddle, a kayak or a canoe. Yeah, because that way they can somebody can go out and they can scout a good spot, and you're not having to pull the whole uh, 
the whole raft to shore just to find out it's not a good camping spot. But at the end of the day, you do find a spot, you anchor your raft, and then uh, you come ashore and you set up your camp for the night, do your cooking and all that sort of stuff. Now, they have the, the stoves on board, the little personal stoves that you take camping, right? Yes. So that you're you're cruising along the river, you can cook yourself up some lunch, that sort of thing. Yeah, you can boil cook on water the for yeah. yeah. You don't have to pull over to the side. You don't yeah. have to stop, right? So you're you're still you're still drifting down, and it's like a a, a camper on water. You don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's well your own little personal houseboat that yeah. you built yourself. Yeah, so it's pre- it's pretty cool. That'd be fun to do. Mm-hmm. The river flows around one to three kilometers per hour. So, I mean, if you're going, I mean, I guess it all depend on time of year and how much rainfall you're getting and that sort of stuff, right? you got more, more speed or not. Uh, but for 50 kilometers, now you also go, it's the landscape you're going through, a lot of forests, rural areas. You do pass through some small villages and farmland, but you could pull over into one of these small villages and take a little... Go shopping. Go shopping, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if you're over in Sweden, you check out some of these little places, out-of-the-way places, that'd be kind of cool to do as well. So there is more to it than just, you know, sitting on there doing nothing. There, It's actually a whole vacation. I don't. I think you would, you would have so much you could actually do on that raft. I, no. I, I don't think you would... You would be disappointed at all. I would definitely be going for the eight-day trip. I think I'd be going on the eight-day, 100-kilometer trip. Um, now my big question, do you think something like this is possible in Ontario? Uh, I looked at a few of the, like, I think our rivers here are too much whitewater, but I guess we could, you could do the Trent Severn maybe. Well, that was my big concern was where, where in Ontario here? And now I'm talking within need water flow. three, four hours of Toronto. Yeah. You would need, it's got to be flat. I mean, you can, you can deal with some faster current, but when you yes. start getting rocks and stuff, I mean, you can't. Yes, it's exactly. Got, it's got to be some current and it's got to be flat, wide water. Yeah, you're not going to be uh, portaging or you're not going to be doing river travel or lake travel on this thing. It's Well, I mean, the raft is so, what, 4,500 4, pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you've got a, a, a crane to help you on those yeah. portages, I don't think it's going to be happening. So, and even on, even for flat water paddling, this is, this is something you want to drift along on. So yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how much water flow there is on the Trent Severn. Yeah. And the Trent, the Trent Severn waterway. It, but I couldn't find any water flow numbers. Yeah. Um, the Trent Severn waterway is 387 kilometers, 41 locks, a marine railway, two hydraulic lift locks. Uh, <laughs> That is a lot of, of water to cover. Imagine the looks you'd get going down the Trent Severn on, on a, uh, like that. on a log raft. Yeah. <laughs> anybody ask, anybody asks me, I'm running away from home. <laughs> yeah. You could get through. Now, the only problem when, what, when I shouldn't say the only problem, one of the problems you'd have is when it comes to mooring at the locks for the night. It's first come, first serve. Yes. And you've got all these power boats mm-hmm. that you'd be fighting. So you're going to be the last one in every night. You but know? you could also anchor off somewheres, I guess. Yeah. I mean, other boats do. You don't have to, to uh, moor up at a um, at one of the locks. Yeah. And that's where the advantages of, of, uh, of a raft that would be a little bit larger. You could pitch a tent right on top of the, uh, like you'd have the shelter to keep everything dry, but you could also pitch a tent on the deck of this thing. It, you know, if yeah, you're I mean, 18 by nine feet, that's, it's pretty huge. Yeah. You could make a, get one of the, uh, uh, canvas style tents or something and put it up there. Yep. So yeah, if you're out for a month or whatever, going down this thing or a few weeks, you've always got somewhere to go when it starts pouring rain, that yep. sort of thing. Right. Um, and I guess you'd have to talk to the, the guys at the lift, at the, at the locks and that to see, you know, what the, the laws are and, and their rules yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, you're going to have ropes and stuff like that on here. So it's easy enough to, to pull the raft into the locks. Uh, you're going to have paddles on there that you can paddle it into the locks, that sort of thing, tie it up. Uh, I don't think it'd be 
that hard to do once you start figuring the ins and outs of it. And I suppose you could you could put an outboard on it. <laughs> that would kind of defeat the purpose. Yeah, but, but I mean, as a safety thing, I guess you yeah. could definitely do that. Right? But again, I'm not sure what kind of water flow there is in the lock system, right? Like this, this would be ideally in a in a you know medium flow river. Like uh, I can think of uh, like St. John River in New Brunswick. It's uh, there's some areas where it flows decently, but uh, it's there's a lot of sections that are very very slow. You'd ha you'd have to have some sort of method of propulsion. And Paddle. <laughs> that'd be <laughs> Paddle and pole. <laughs> be a lot of work. It would be, um, but you know what? That that's part of it, right? That'd be mm -hmm. part of the fun. I think the whole point of it would be to get away without any power, without any high technology stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and you're being passed by boats and everything every, all the time. Cause especially in the summer, how busy that, that canal gets. Yeah. But you would have to, I think, be able to do it in sections as well. Unless of course you get the full time to, to do the whole thing from, um, where does that start? That starts way up in Georgian Bay and goes all the way out to, uh, Kingston, uh, Trenton. Trenton. Yeah, yeah Trenton. Trenton. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going through Peterborough, the lift locks, everything, right? So yeah. that, that's quite the distance. I think you could, you could definitely do it. I think it would take some, <laughs> different logistics would be, yeah. would and be in order. You'd also have to find out if you'd be allowed to travel the, the Trent Severn in <laughs> hand built wooden raft. I don't right? know why you wouldn't be able to. There's gotta be some sort of rules. Like just on a river. Rules? We don't need no rules. <laughs> but there's got to be. We're running away from home. We can do whatever we want <laughs> exactly. at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may not agree with you though. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, but I think the hardest part would be where are we getting our logs from? That is something that I was wondering about too. Like, and uh, before this, I was pricing out like it. Uh, like fence posts. Like I know you can go to the hardware store and, and buy cedar fence posts and, and pine fence posts and stuff like that. So, you know, just like a farm supply type thing. Mm -hmm. And so looking at those, it gets pretty pricey. You'd have to find somebody who has a chunk of property with trees on it. And because it, from the looks of these uh, rafts, it looks like there's about, uh, say, a hundred logs involved on each raft. And if you're looking, what are they about? 18. The larger uh, cedar posts that are eight feet long and six foot uh, around or six inches around, they were $18 a, a post. So if you're looking at a hundred of those. It adds up. That's like a $2,000 yeah. raft. Yeah. It's not something you're just going to want to use once. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's why you want, uh, because if you found somebody who has some trees on their land. They said, Hey, let me, <laughs> I'm just going to take some trees and I'll bring you back firewood when I'm done. <laughs> well, yeah. Let me, let me float this down the river and I'll end up at your cottage and there's your firewood. Yeah. Cut it up as you need it. Uh, it would be a, a, a lot of fun to do that though. It would. It really, really would. If, if you could get I find all the materials so appealing. and the rope and just build this raft yeah. With a tenter, some sort of shelter on it and just push offshore out into the river and let it take you. That would be a lot of fun. It would be. Until you hit white water. <laughs> Until you hit the white water. Then all of a sudden it's a little, no longer fun. Yes. Um, I think, yeah, I think the, the Trent Severn was probably the only place you could do it. I mean, there's other rivers that you could do it in Ontario, but... Most of the rivers I look at, there's maybe 10, 20 kilometers a flat top before you're hitting into some sort of white water or faster moving blocked water that mm -hmm. you're not getting that raft around. Well, imagine you, you fetch up on a, on a, on a rock or something and, and you can't lift 2000 pounds off of the rocks. Mm -hmm. So if you're really fetched up or say you hit something, uh, uh, an abutment or a rock hard enough that it breaks the raft apart and then all your gears in the, in the river. Yeah. So it, it's really a flat water drifting type of thing. I can think of like, there's a few rivers up north, like the, the, the Porcupine River or, you know, some of these ones that go from Yukon into Alaska and stuff like that, that might be interesting because you can just pull off somewhere and find logs and. <laughs> but when you're looking at, what is it? Yeah. Like I say, 4,000 pounds or 20 or 2,000 kilogram 
raft. Yeah. That's not something you're just throwing up on a trailer and no. hauling home. And <laughs> no. I mean, that's not, a, that's, that's, that's big. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's just like a boat, like a massive boat that you go tripping on for, for days at a time with the kitchens and bathrooms yep. and, Housebook, and everything, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And this year, just to think of that logistics side of it is, uh, this company, when you do the hundred kilometers down river, they obviously are loading us onto a, like a logging truck to get back, get it back to base camp so people can build new ones, right? Yeah. Looking at the video there, they, of course, they got the big pile of logs at the beginning and that's what you build it out of. Yeah. And then they send you on your way and at the end where your trip ends, you get all your gear off and then you've got to disassemble everything, but they just push the wa- the logs back into the water and let them drift downstream. So I got to think there's a point where they're, all those logs are being collected, yep. hauled back up on shore, put onto a, a, yeah, a logging truck and then driven all the way back up to the starting exactly. point. Exactly, yeah. You know? Uh, now you're looking at this and I think we said it was about $600 a person for these. Um, for this trip, which realistically 600 bucks for, um, an eight day trip per per person, but you get the experience of building the log. It's a definitely a unique experience. So, I mean, that's, that's, you got to take that into account. Is there per person prices? I think they're per person prices. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you gotta, and everything's included too, right? So, yeah, the, the stuff that they say is not included is like, you know, your sleeping bag or your own tent and, and kitchen equipment and food. You, they, you can rent kitchen equipment from them, but, right. uh, but you do have to bring your own tent, sleeping bag and stuff like that. And your um, there's a couple campsites and stuff that are, that are included, like along the route that are included in your price transfers from. From and to the, the raft yeah. building site, Buses the instructor and, yeah. for the, the day to <laughs> included timber raft equipment. Thank goodness. <laughs> Cause I would get kind of pricey if I've got to add that on top of my, my trip. Um, you know, yeah, there's all the camping stuff. You can arrive a day earlier stay a day later and they won't charge you any extra for, for camping, that sort of stuff. But yeah, basically you show up with your, with your gear and off you go. Yeah. You know, it sounds, it sounds like a, definitely a, um, a unique, a unique sort of thing. It is. <laughs> it's very unique. And, and I'm just reading here, just what you had mentioned earlier. I was wondering what you, where you got that, but it says at the end of the trip, you dismantle your raft and throw the logs back into the river and they just drift down into a log trap where's where they collect them. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, I'm done with my boat now off into the water. Yeah. Could you imagine <laughs> doing that? Like when you're on a canoe trip yeah. at the end of the day, you just load up at the, load your stuff in back into your car and just and send the canoe back out the in the river. Drifting away. <laughs> it's like disposables, you know, but, uh, unfortunately you still got to go all the way into Sweden to, to do that sort of thing. So yeah. Um, if you got a lot of money and you really think this is cool to do, I, it's definitely something to do. Got to start looking for rivers around here that I need a decent flow, wide river, and with limited, uh, you know, traps like logs or white water or, or stone rocks in the river. So I'm going to have to start looking for something like that. But then you'd have to find a source of logs at the top. And then yeah. abandon the logs at the bottom. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing is if you're putting money and time into it. You're probably going to collect the logs and keep them. But they would Are be. Are you going to do it again though? Probably Or maybe just pass, pass, pass it off to somebody else to do. Yeah. Because you could actually maybe tow it back up the river by boat. You could, yeah. And then let yeah. somebody else do it. Yeah. You we know, start our own business. Start our own business. One <laughs> raft and just let it, everybody's got to take their turn. <laughs> or, yeah, you just pay me what I paid for it. Yeah. And then it's yours. And then you do the same thing to the next person. Person at the end of the season is kind of screwed over though. <laughs> they own a raft. Yeah. <laughs> or firewood. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Now, if you don't want to go to Sweden for a long trip. How about Japan? Yes. 
This one's pretty cool because, like I say, it's it's we're we're getting not into the the regular rafts, the big rubber rafts. These are just all timber rafts. And we came across this accidentally, just looking for information on this rafting vacations and stuff. This <laughs> goes along the lines of I can't believe this is a thing. I know, and it doesn't look that safe. No, the Kitayama River. Uh, they they call it the Dorok Dorokyo. I can't even say it. D O R O K Y O. Dorakayo Gorge. So they've been logging there for well over 600 years. And they build, the only way it can be described is um, as a train of rafts. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, they just tie a bunch of rafts together, like six or eight or 10 rafts. And on each raft, it, it, it looks like a big snake or a big, you know, consider it's Japan, a big dragon. Big dragon, yeah. So the the guy, they have they they used to do the logs in little rafts, um, you know, like eight nine logs across, wrap them up, attach them to another set of eight nine logs, flat rafts. So you end up with looks like a train. An and articulated, they, yeah. They would take them down this gorge of white water, and there'd be three to four guys standing on these this 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 train of logs guiding it through the white water. And this is full on white water. This is not a lazy river. This is <laughs> And yeah, yeah. This is they got this big uh the the front um raft has a big log that they they used almost to like steer. A rudder or tiller. Yeah, it almost looks but like he's guiding the head. the head of a snake yeah. down this river and everything else just follows. Yeah. And they got of course they got other guys on there that that make sure they they push away from the shore and stuff like that. But somewhere along the route, somebody <laughs> said, let's put some railings on this and have people stand on it and we'll sell <laughs> tickets and people can come along for the ride. And they do. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and apparently it's, it's a big running business. Like they, they just drift these <laughs> rat, wooden rat log rafts down a whitewater river in Japan with people standing almost between your, you have these handrails about uh, waist high on either side of you. And it just goes down like a big snake through whitewater on a river. And you just stand there. Your feet are underwater, that yep. sort of thing. I mean, the, the water's rushing all over and that. And they have like but, guides who steer it and then fend off of rocks. And they, they you can see them walking down the side of the raft because you're on the middle of the raft and they can walk on either side of you and push off on rocks to make sure that you don't get fetched up. Yeah. And it, we, we actually posted a video on our uh, Facebook page uh, to show it just because it was, we couldn't believe this was a thing. And this is wild. It's like 6,000 yen or $71 a person. Yeah, 71 Canadian. And it's just like, that's actually relatively cheap. And it would be fun to do. This it's, it's awesome. So you just stand there on this, the back of this giant log raft chain. Yeah. And zip down white water it looks through like this it would gorge. Be, really nice, really beautiful country too. Looks like it would be a litigation nightmare in the US, but I guess it works in oh, Japan. Can you imagine the insurance? <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> think you'd be able to afford to do yeah. it with people. And these are pre-built rafts. I don't think they disassemble these guys, so they must stack them and rack them and I bring got, them back Yeah, up. I got to think they, they take the handles off, stack them on, on a, a truck, and, bring them back up, put the handles yeah. back on and reassemble it in the river and next group goes down. What is it, a two hour trip? Well, they say, yeah, I mean, um, almost two hours. Yeah. You're from launch to, to, I guess, back to the, the site where it started. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't look like they're going massively fast either. So, uh, so check that out. I mean, all you have to do is Google, uh, Kitayama river log, uh, log rafting, and you're going to get that, yeah. uh, on, on videos galore. Um, <laughs> let's take a quick break here and, uh, we'll come back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. 
Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Well, Derek, that seems to be close to the end of another show. And uh, I had fun with this one. It was yeah. interesting. I mean, the, the transatlantic stand-up paddleboard, that was pretty cool that, that it's got yeah. done and interesting. The rafting, would love to do that. Just the, the yeah. old Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. You and know, if, I'm ever, sort of if ever I'm in Japan, I'm going to check out this. Well, I'm uh, definitely checking that. My <laughs> daughter wants to go to Japan. And I tell you, one day if we go, I'm there. Yeah. Um, just want to make a couple, uh, announcements here about this weekend. We, I'll be in the, in Ottawa area, the Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show. Next weekend is the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium on April 8th. Um, we're, we're there cause we're sponsoring this year and that'll be pretty cool. So come on out and see us. Uh, in the meantime, you can always find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook where we post a whole lot of stuff, good stuff and videos and pictures and different articles. You can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Twitter. Yes. A lot on Twitter when Derek uh, yeah. upkeeps it. When I remember a tweet. <laughs> but in the meantime, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and uh, hopefully you keep on listening. Uh, until next time, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.